Shows that make you laugh. Shows that make you think. Music that moves you. It can only be one place. Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. Animal Magnetism. Exploring animal care for creatures great and small. Conservation and preservation in today's world. Find out what a single voice can do to make a difference in the lives of animals. Animal Magnetism with Carolyn Hennessy starts right now on UVN Radio. Hello once again. Hello once again, listeners and viewers. I am Carolyn Hennessy, your host for Animal Magnetism, joined as I always am every two weeks by Andrea Compton, my incredible producer, my incredible co-host, and great Dr. Grace Stafford, Ph.D., choose one. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, who is beca- fast becoming kind of a regular co-host. So I the, love it. Yes, awesome. I, I, yes and we thank you too. And uh, as, as everyone knows, the alpha and the omega, as far as I'm concerned, in the animal advocacy world, my mentor and very, very dear friend. Um, Andrea, say hello. I say hello. Yes, indeed. Gray, all, again, thank you so much for being with us. We're, <laughs> the show's going to be a little short today because... I was having serious computer issues at home, and so when I finally got it all together and I, I raced to the studio, I broke pretty much every law that there is So in, in, in getting here, but I did it in record time. And uh, the natural segue for scoff laws, people who break laws, is then one, of course, has to turn to crime fighters. You see how I did that there? See how well I did that? Nicely see? done. Very, very, very well done. And we have with us today... This is, this, this, this is a good get, ladies and gents, a very good get. We have an icon with us today. I think it's safe to say a legend in the world, certainly, of television crime fighting. Burt Ward, also known as Dick Grayson, also known as Robin, the boy wonder from the, from the Batman television series. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Good morning. How are you doing, my friend? Great, thank you. Wonderful. You and I have actually met. We met at one of Roger Neal's uh, gifting suites many, many years ago. Actually, not many years ago, maybe about three or four years ago. And you were talking about this incredible dog food that you and your wife have formulated, created, invented. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about your, about you as a human, as opposed to a canine crusader, which you have become. Um Astonishing. Aspiring actor, little did you know that aspiring actor Burt Ward would know that learning martial arts in addition to his mental and athletic prowess would change his life forever. You were, in your youth, an all-around athlete, strong in martial arts, wrestling, track, tennis, and golf, playing first board chess for Beverly Hills High School, achieving the top 3% in US uh, in the United States in math science at U- math and science at UCLA and becoming <laughs> which I am obviously not as you can tell today the world's fastest reader. I think that's one of the most interesting things I've ever heard. Not just the fastest reader in your high school or your city or or the country. You were the world's fastest reader clocked <laughs> At 30,000 words per minute with a 90% comprehension rate. The average reader reads 240 words per minute with a 40% comprehension rate. I don't, I don't actually think my mind can wrap around that particular number. Do you still read that fast? 
No, no, I wouldn't read that fast because that's like anything else, a, a person that trains for it. I would probably still read about 10 times the speed of an average reader, meaning several thousand words a minute. But uh, in order to build up to that kind of level, you have to, you have to train every day. And you, it's, it's actually a lot of work to do that because it's, uh, you're, you're not reading for pleasure. You're reading for who, what, why, when, and where. You're eliminating things like articles, the, ahs, and you're looking for the, you know, who, who, what, why, when, and where, and in the subject matter, so that you can, uh, you know, answer questions. And as I did in front of the American Medical Society in Beverly Hills, that they had given me a test. Sure. And, uh, you know, it uh, it was a lot of work, but uh, it it you know it does work. It, it, that's that's astonishing. It the, I I would actually love to learn to speed read certainly much faster than I than I do because I I am I'm a voracious reader. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you right now, slow. I'll just give you two two different things that will uh, double your speed right now. Okay. All right. Number one, uh, it's called indented reading, meaning when you look at a piece of paper or you look at a column or anything that you look at, your eye will tend to look into the uh, white space to the left of it first before you start. Instead of doing that, you have to look at about one inch in on both sides, both left and right. And what the whole way you build up speed uh, is that you cut down the number of glances that you have to make. In other words, when you read a sentence, you're probably glancing at a line, depending if it's a if it's a newspaper column, maybe three different glances to get across that uh, that space. Of it. And by indented reading on both sides, you cut down the number of glances. That's that's one. Okay, and it takes practice. Wow. You know, playing the piano, your fingers don't do what your mind sure. wants in sure. the beginning. Same, same with this. Uh, secondly, uh, that's that again, that's indented reading. Then there's a thing called space reading, where instead of looking at a line, if you, it takes a little bit of practice, okay? But if you look at, pick up a newspaper or, or some kind of a thing, a column, and look between the first line and the second line and relax your eyes and that you, what you want to do is take in the information on the line above and the line below. And by practicing, you can do that. So you get at a point where now you're, you've indented, you've cut down the number of glances left and right, and you've cut down the number of glances up and down. And right there, you could quadruple your reading if you did it properly. Well, uh, th well, I think that's fab. <laughs> I don't even what to say that's wonderful thank you and i will try that i yeah, will i will i will practice that Good. um yeah oh absolutely in indeed because i would love to be able to get through many more books than i'm already able to get through um and thank you so much for those tips wonderful wonderful Thirty thousand words a minute that's like taking a book and just going like this well no it's, <laughs> it's the equivalent of reading the entire play of macbeth in one minute Whoa! I read, I read War and Peace, which is 1,443 pages, in 45 minutes and got an A essay on an essay final at UCLA. Wow. Wow. But did you really feel the cold of Siberia? That's what I want to know. Um, now, you and I actually have a very interesting connection. Uh, again, six degrees of, of, of separation, or Kevin Bacon. Saul David. Saul David uh, was saw you and and really encouraged you to get your first agent, which I and Saul David was a wonderful movie producer, producing things like 
Fantastic Voyage and Logan's Run, simply to name two. And the reason I named those two is because my father was the production designer for Fantastic Voyage and Logan's Run. Well, that's so, wonderful. Well, yeah. Actually, my father and I sold him his house. <laughs> Did you really? Did you? And, that's yeah, great. My father was one of the top three real estate brokers in Beverly Hills. Right. Uh, right. And uh, I was sitting on the house on a weekend. I was uh, uh, 18 years old at the time, or 19, actually. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, was, uh, I met him, and uh, he ultimately bought the house, and I asked him if he'd be kind enough to watch a scene that I did, and he did, and he said, you know, I'm going to send you to an agent. He sent me to an agent who the first thing the agent said was, I can't get work for the actors I've got. I would never take you. The only reason I'm doing that is because of Saul David. Don't expect to work for a year, and if you do, you might get one line. Sure. That was not real encouraging, was no. it? No, 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 no. And that is actually, I guess, I, I'm assuming not what happened to you because, this is very interesting, you you attained a black belt and your first filmed fight scene, I'm sorry, you became very good friends with Bruce Lee and Bruce's first filmed fight scene was against you. And I'm right. assuming that was in the Batman series. Yes, well, but we great. sparred together. We That's lived great. in the same complex, and I was a, a black belt and at the time. And, and as a matter of fact, two years ago, I was inducted into the International Karate and Kickboxing Amazing. Hall of Fame, which was a nice honor. Amazing. But he and I used to spar together. That, that's where you're, it's a practice, but it's very rough. And then we also were friends, and I would remember when uh, he was married to Linda, and their son Brandon was about six months of age, and we went down into Chinatown for dinner quite a bit and because Bruce had lived in Hong Kong for 10 years he knew all the most authentic things to order so it was a it was a great experience and he was a, a tremendous martial artist he studied eight hours a day or, or I should say he trained eight hours a day well, Practice, obviously, is is one of your key words. I think one of your key operating systems is practice with your speed reading, with your martial arts, with anything you do. And from Cape Crusader to Canine Crusader, you and your wife, Tracy Posner Ward, philanthropist, you at one point in 1994, you rescued a Great Dane in distress. And when you went, and there were there were several great, many great Danes in this particular location, and they were all in distress. And when you called back a little later on, you found that they had all been destroyed. And that was, I think, a turning point in your life, and you said no more. So you founded Gentle Giants Rescue and Adoptions, which is a nonprofit charity located 50 miles east of Los Angeles. You have rescued and adopted more than 15,500 giant breed and small breed dogs during your 22 years of operation. Uh, just, that's just astonishing. Just well, astonishing. Let me, let, me, let, let me clarify. Uh, oh, okay. 15,500 dogs in 23 years now. Uh, but what, what motivated us is that we wanted to get, because I know that often you ask questions about motivation, what got you into this. Mm -hmm got us into it is that we had moved here from Los Angeles. My wife and I had a young daughter. We had a beautiful place at the beach, but at the beach, uh, the property is so valuable that you go straight up. As, you know, in other words, you have uh, very little square footage and a lot of uh, right. in-house right. square footage. And a and, lot of property tax. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, that wasn't the issue as much as the fact that we had four floors and balconies and you got a, a, a new baby and, and, you know, it just was a scary thing. So we moved out here about an hour east of L.A., the last Western town in America, by the way, where horses have the right of way over cars. Right. Where you drive down the street in the city of Norco, and instead of dotted white lines, you have dotted red, white, and blue lines. 
And um, we wanted to give our daughter a, a dog. My wife and I both had had dogs as children and we got her a Great Dane. And um, then we heard about other ones needing rescue. And I said, well, you know, let's get a second one. We got a second one. And we figured because the other ones that needed rescue were not actually in shelters, they were in people's homes. Right. Thought, well, they'll find somebody. It turned out they didn't, weren't able to, and they turned them to a shelter. And because dogs in shelters are constantly barking, and who's going to take a big dog out of a cage that's barking because they're afraid maybe they're going to get bitten? And uh, they were all destroyed. And we found out that the lady who had been rescuing Great Danes was actually quite a famous lady in Southern California, but she had died, and there was nobody rescuing them. So in the first week of August of 1994, I said to my wife, Tracy, we, we, this is a terrible injustice. We can't let this happen just for a couple of weeks, just till we get somebody else to take this sure. over. Yeah. Let's just rescue these sure. dogs. Yeah, let's well, foster. 23 <laughs> years, yeah. and nobody has taken this That's over. Right. <laughs> gone from one breed of Great Danes to 45 different breeds, okay? Um we, every one of the 15,000 dogs, 500 dogs we rescued, we provided complete medical care. Uh, we, we, you know, food, shelter, found them a safe, loving home. And in the course of doing that, because these giant breeds traditionally live the shortest lifespan, right. you know, uh-huh. mastiffs live five to six years. Irish wolfhound, five to six years. Great Dane, seven to nine years. When mm-hmm. we would lose one, my wife and I would literally cry. Of course. And we were mm-hmm. devastated by that loss. So we said, you know, we got to do something about this. And we didn't, we, we didn't know exactly what to do at all. But what we first discovered is a way t- that we actually feed and care for dogs differently than other people. All right, do. let's talk about that. That's that's really that's really the main reason why you're here to talk about this incredible formula that you've had that that you've found for your dog food, but also. Um, you know, what, what goes into it? This is where the practice comes in, the kind of the, the constant searching. Well, there's three things, dear, three things that how we have dogs living, and we have them living now up to 27 years, healthy and active, okay? To our knowledge, no one in the world has been able to accomplish this. And it's based on doing all three things. You know, it's, it's, it's not just one. You've got to do all three. One is how you care for your dog. Mm-hmm. We care for dogs differently than other people care for their dogs. Two, how you feed a dog. We feed dogs differently. We don't feed them like 99% of the people in America feed them. And believe it or not, a dog is most vulnerable when it is eating. Of all the times in a dog's life that is at the greatest risk is when it's eating. And third, we make a food that's different than every other dog food. So all three together, working together is what gives this tremendous health and longevity. In fact, just to give you a real understanding, because I know you have dogs, Mm -hmm. our dogs are so healthy that the only time they go to a veterinarian is every three years for a $10 rabies update. That's how healthy they are. All right, let's come in that that have been rescued. No, I mean, we could be at the animal, you know, the clinic every night. Of course. But the ones that are on our program okay, are living longer and healthier. And, and it, it's, a, it's a system. And let's it's let's start with the first one. Let's, let's start with how you care for your dogs. Then we'll go on to how you feed them and then what you feed them. So how do okay. you care for them? That is, that is different from everybody okay. else. Well, uh, you, that's something we could spend all day talking about. But let me give you two <laughs> main points, the okay. two key points. 
Number one, every dog should be spayed or neutered. Of course. Okay. This has nothing to do with unwanted puppies. It has everything to do with cancer. Cancer is still the number one killer of dogs, okay? And what very few people know is that 85% of all cancer in dogs, whether it comes out in the blood or the organs, the bones, 85% originates in the reproductive organs. So by an early spay or neuter at five to six months of age, not before, these shelters will do it at eight and 10 weeks. Right. They don't tell you how many dogs they lose. Okay, and then some people, some vets uh, will say, oh, we'll wait till after the first heat. No, that's wrong. And, you know, at a year, whatever, absolutely not. Five, we have found, and this is thousands. We, at one point we were doing, we, we actually had in our home our own surgical suite, <laughs> and but uh, we had vets that would come in and and do surgeries. You know, we never did any. I mean, they did. You know, but of we course, the facilities, uh, and we were doing as many as fifty surgeries a week, and uh, which is tremendous, twenty five hundred a year. And anyway, long and short of it is by eliminating uh, the possible or reducing, I should say, to a very small percentage. That alone adds two or three years to a dog's mm-hmm. life. On average, on mm-hmm. average, mm-hmm. And it, so that was that was the the spay or neuter. Then, secondly, in today, in well, when I was a kid, the dogs lived outside, the humans lived inside. In today's world, what most people say is, "Well, I bring my dog in every night, but he needs fresh air during the day, so he stay he stays outside during the day, but he comes in every night." That's a big mistake. That is a huge mistake. Okay, dogs are incredibly sensitive, more sensitive than most people know. And they need to live inside your home. Now, they should go out whenever they want, you know, uh, but they need to live in the main living area of your home, not in a laundry room, not in a garage, not on a patio, but the main living area. And people say, oh, well, I keep my dog inside, but whenever I go to the market, I put him outside. Well, that's horrible because the dog knows you're gone. The dog is now outside. The dog knows he or she is vulnerable to danger. Okay. And, and that's stressful. And you've heard the term stress kills. Well, stress kills dogs, just like it kills people. So what we do is that our dogs live in our home and right now, well, actually since, since 1994, we've always had about 50 dogs living in our house oh at the same God. time, living <laughs> communally together. Nobody bites. And by the way, you can hear in my home, you don't hear any barking, do you? Every dog is trained not to bark unless they sense danger. And everybody lives communally and lives in a nurturing environment. I'm hoping you have a huge home. Because, I, because I, I, I do, but that, that doesn't matter because they don't spread out. They congregate together. Really? In fact, I will tell you, the most dangerous thing in our house, the most dangerous by far, is to try to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night without tripping <laughs> and breaking your neck because the size of these dogs, they don't move if you trip over them. You're the one that falls down, not them. Okay. So, so in any event, everybody lives communally together. So okay. those are the two key things. Gotcha. Now, our dogs go out whenever they want. But I'll tell you something, after 15, 20 minutes, maybe an hour at the most, they're tearing our doors to get back in. They don't want to be outside. They, it, why do you think wolves and coyotes live in their den so much other than to go out to either go to the bathroom or hunt for food. They, they, their, their den 
is their sanctuary. Sure. Of course, of course. And you see dogs, dogs will nest. I, I watched my, my two of my three dogs last night sort of take up the blanket that I have on the bed and create their own little sort of little warren, little nest, and kind of and, and, and kind of circle and hunker down there. Yeah, they like to be warm. Which so is, that, those are the two key okay. things, key right. things for here. I mean, if you did those, right now you're going to add a couple years to your dog's life right there on the spot. Okay, now. How you feed your dogs, because the big the big thing is actually what you're feeding your dogs, and we're going to talk about that and where you can where well, you can get right. this. They're almost fifty fifty. Okay, thank you. Um, people, you have to understand, and believe me, if anybody lived twenty four seven with fifty or more dogs for twenty three years, you have to learn. You can't get by without learning so much information because you're with them twenty four seven. Right. And so there, there's several things, okay? Number one, yeah, again, you have to understand what is killing dogs in order to lengthen their life. Number one was cancer. Number two uh, was getting lost where they get dehydrated because they can't get food or water mm -hmm. or getting injured from like getting hit by a car. Mm -hmm. Number three is a very deadly condition that kills 10% of the dogs in the United States every year called bloat and torsion. And bloat and torsion is, is the best way to understand it. It's caused by food on the stomach combined with stress or exercise, okay? Most vets don't, first of all, most vets can't even do the surgery that's required to save a dog. You have, if, if, if God forbid you, your dog bloats, you've got only one hour and you've got to get them to an expert surgeon and you're looking at a four to $10,000 surgery or your dog dies an agonizing death. Mm -hmm. And it kills 10% of the dogs in the U.S. every year. Now, when you consider there's 80 million dogs in the U.S. and 67 million households, it's about 8 million dogs a year are dying God. unnecessarily because the people caring them for them don't know how to avoid this deadly condition. You know, it's kind of like, think of it this way. You're going down a two-way highway at 55 miles an hour. You don't cross the double line because there isn't any second right. take. You, you understand there's right. certain sure. things you don't do. Sure. So how do, what, what causes this? Food on the stomach combined with stress or exercise. The best example is a human example that every one of us was told when we were a child, which is don't go in the swimming pool for 30 Three minutes, minutes after, after you eat. eat. Right. Why were we told that? We were told that because whoever told it to us knew that if we had food on our stomach and you combine that with stress or exercise, you could get a cramp. Well, a dog is not designed near as well as a human being. I wish it weren't that way, but it is. So a human being that cramps from having food on the stomach and then doing some stressful exercise or getting emotionally upset can go lay down and in 30, 40 minutes, they're fine, but not a dog. Because once the dog starts to cramp, the stomach flips over and shuts everything going in and out of the stomach and the stomach immediately begins to die. Is that the torsion? That's the torsion, the turning. Okay, now, that, so how do you avoid it? Well, you always say to yourself, wherever there's stress or exercise, there isn't going to be any food, okay? So <clears throat> how do we avoid it? Number one, okay, number one, you never feed a dog when your dog is under stress. So therefore, if you went in a ride in your car, and believe it or not, as much as you think a dog likes a ride in a car, it is stressful on their body. You say, well, why is that? Well, because you make turns. And when you turn, have you ever noticed how you tend to lean into a curve to reduce centrifugal force? Mm -hmm. Well, a dog doesn't know to do right. that. 
Right. The dog is momentarily off balance. That's right. It's off balance. It tightens its stomach because it spreads its feet to get balance. And when it tightens on the stomach, that's where you cause the problem. So well, here's what we say. You only feed your dog when your dog is relaxed, not at stress, not while you're in a car, not when there's any kind of motion, not when your car, d- dog has heard somebody at the gate and got all excited, barking, barking. You wait a minimum of an hour before you can feed your dog. That's, that's number one. You feed your dog at a, in, at a quiet, peaceful time. Number two, you elevate the food. Why do you elevate the food? You never put the dog's food on the floor or water, ever. That's a major mistake. You're doing two very dangerous things. Number one, by, by putting it on the floor and the dog has to come over and lean down to eat, all right? In that position, you try eating your breakfast or your lunch today on the floor. And what's gonna happen is you could very easily take air into your stomach or you could get food into your lungs and the, and the dog could aspirate and die from the aspiration. But beyond that, in a much more sophisticated world, there's another issue, which is human beings are far better designed than dogs, as I said. But with a dog, if a dog doesn't die of cancer, dog doesn't die of, of being injured or getting lost and can't get food and water. And if a dog doesn't die of bloat or torsion, over time, their bodies simply wear out. Most people find that with a dog that is medium size or larger, by the dog time that dog is seven or eight years old, the dog starts to have a problem getting up, starts to have a problem walking. And maybe at first they think the dog is just maybe injured or sore or whatever, but over time they come to realize that it isn't going away and they'll go to a veterinarian and the veterinarian will say, well, your dog is eight years old. You know, your dog has lived probably a pretty good life, but the dog is now a senior. And your dog is coming to the end of your life. So there's really not much I can do. Here's some uh, 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 painkillers, you know what I mean, Rimadil. And uh, it sends you home and you pay $200 and you leave worse off than you came in. Okay, so what happens is this. Dogs' bodies wear out. And humans do too, but not as fast. Now, in the case of like on Batman, if you remember, we always had the uh, hourglass type situation of time <laughs> running out. You turn that hourglass over and as though sand was going through, <laughs> time was finishing, right? So understanding that dogs' bodies wear out, anything you can do to reduce that stress, you can in turn lengthen their life. And what we say in a very specific term is this, Every stress, no matter how little it is, that you can remove today from your dog's body, you can take that stress and add on to the length of their life. And that's what we do here, okay? And, and so having, think, think of it. Your dog comes over, bends down to eat food, stands up, chews, bends down to eat food, up and down and up and down. You're wearing the dog out. Why do we sit at a table when we eat? because it is less stressful. Give the dog the same opportunity. Raise the food, the proper, there's a proper height for every single dog has a specific height based on their height, which is the dog should simply come over and tilt his or her head down to eat, never lean down, never lean up. Wow. Okay, that's, that's number two. Number three, no, no exercise for one hour before and after eating, none. And especially no walking on a leash. Would you like to know why? Yes. Because when you have a leash and a collar on a dog, 
that dog is not walking at the pace that dog walk wants to walk at. That dog is having to do what you're doing. In other words, that dog has sure. to stop when you stop, has to start when you start, has to turn when you turn, has to walk at a pace. And, and most dogs will continually look up at their master to see what they're going to do next. That is stressful. Okay, so that was number three, no riding in a car for an hour before, excuse me, no, no exercise hour before, hour after eating. And fourth, no riding in a vehicle. We talked about that earlier, hour before, hour after eating. And then number five, this is the one that everybody's eyebrows go up, okay? And I say this, which is, get ready. I'm ready. We feed our dogs a minimum of five or more times a day, smaller, more frequent meals. Now, people say, what? Why would you do that? Okay. Well, I said, go to your, next time you go see your medical doctor, ask your doctor the following question. Doctor, am I better off eating one or two big meals a day or four or five smaller meals a day? Of course. Of what do you course. think, Carolyn, your of doctor's going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Well, you know the answer. Yeah. So, but the point of it is you, most people don't translate it to their dog. They don't realize that their dog actually needs to eat smaller, more frequent meals, much more than a human because their dog isn't designed as well. So we feed our dogs a minimum of five or more times a day, smaller, more frequent meals. The perfect example that you can understand what's happening to the dog by only feeding your dog once or twice a day. If you've ever gone out and eaten a meal and maybe you went to a buffet or maybe the food was so great and you ate so much you came home, you literally had to lay down and rest to digest your mm -hmm, food. Mm -hmm. You just couldn't get up and do all your regular stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, when you feed a dog once or twice a day, you're making that dog do that every single day. And you're wearing that dog's body out. Okay. So people say to me all the time, well, Bert, I can't do this. I got to go to work for eight hours. I got an hour of driving. I'm gone nine hours. And I say, oh, yes, you can. You just don't know how to do it. Well, what do you mean? Well, tell me how I could do it. Well, here's what you do. In the morning, you feed your dog fresh water and, and put your food out. After 10, no more than 15 minutes, remove the food, mm -hmm. leave the fresh water out, go to work. Mm -hmm. Come home, put the food out again, fresh water. And they said, well, I'm doing that. I said, yes, but here's what you're not doing. An hour later, after you came home and feed your dog, an hour later, you put out the food for 10 minutes. And an hour later after that 10 minutes and an hour later after sure. that 10 minutes. Sure, sure. Okay. And what will happen is that your dog, instead of thinking like a squirrel of gathering the nuts for the winter, will say, I don't have to eat so much food right now. My mommy's going to feed me in another hour or two. And your dog will not be under the stress of having to consume so much food at one time. And therefore, it's less stressful on them. Absolutely fascinating. This is this is a this is a whole new take. It's a completely new take, and I think I think uh, my listeners who have not heard you before, which is probably possibly most people, um, this is this is a wonderful. I think I think a very very fascinating, interesting, wonderful regimen. Gray, thoughts on this? I, I do think so, and I, I would imagine that it's particularly helpful for small to medium sized breed dogs that always seem so hungry. To the point where they start eating their own poo or they eat, you know, debris in the yard, things that are not helpful for them. So, yeah, I see a lot of logic in, in the idea. Tremendous. Well, great, great. Let me let me take, you know, you really open the door to explain about the food. Good. 
you really opened the door by what you just said. And let me tell you why. You know, I would like to think that we discovered something amazing, something magical, but it's not. Everything we do is based on science. And I would love to tell you that, that we discovered something magical, but we didn't discover magical anything. What we do is we don't, and this is going to upset many of your listeners, we don't prematurely kill dogs. And that's what's happening in today's world. And I'm going to explain to you why. All of the dog food companies, to my knowledge, know something the average person doesn't know, which is the more fat content you put in dog food, the hungrier it makes dogs. Hmm. This is all about money. This is not about love of animals, the TV commercials you see. And, you know, let me just quickly give you a human example that everybody can relate to. About six years ago, Morgan Spurlock went into a McDonald's mm -hmm. in Ohio. Mm -hmm. He ate every meal for a month there. He mm -hmm. gained 55 pounds mm -hmm. and almost died. Mm -hmm. Why? Fat content mm -hmm. in the food. Absolutely. Okay. Now, and that caused McDonald's to come out with a healthy alternative menu as well. Um, this is what's happening to dogs. And here's what every one of your listeners can do. Go over to that bag of dog food they bought. Look on the back, usually on the back, if it's a small bag, sometimes on the side, and you want to look next to the ingredients. By federal law, there's a chart called guaranteed analysis. First item is protein. Second is crude fat. What you're going to find, and it doesn't matter if you bought the cheapest grocery store food or the most expensive pet store food, what you're going to find is that fat content of crude fat is going to be somewhere between 12 to 22% crude fat. Okay. Our, we don't put fat into our food. We're not trying to sell more dog food. We're trying to keep them alive longer. So the fat content in General Giant's dog food is 9% because that's basically what's in the food. There is fat in the food now. And, but there's a difference between what we have heard, good fats and bad fats. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Things that you tend to add are not good fats. Okay. So the, the fat content is higher. Now, this makes dogs hungrier. And, and when Gray said it, I mean, why are they always hungry? Because they're programmed to be hungry. It is so inconscionable to me to take an innocent animal and give them a fat-filled food, okay, to make them always hungry to sell more dog food. It, 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 it is so angers to my wife Well, of I. course, of okay. course. But, 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 but let, me, let, me, let me just tell you how dangerous it is. When I spoke to my own medical doctor about eight or nine months ago, I had an exam, and I asked my doctor, I said, you know, what would happen if a human being ate even 12% fat at every meal? What would happen? He said, without any hesitation, he said, it cuts your lifespan in half. Wow. Hello? What is that telling you? If, it, if, 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 if any animal, it will cut their lifespan down, okay, by adding fat to the food. So we don't do that. But there's actually something, as bad as that sounds, there's something worse. Can you imagine? There is something much worse. Sugar. Let me tell you what it is. No, oh. it isn't that at all. Dogs have an amazing ability to smell, as we all know, right? Why do they use them for police work and bomb detection? They have an amazing ability to smell. Well, dogs love the smell and taste of meat, but they do not like the smell and taste of fat. 
So when you hear people say, oh, my dog's a picky eater or my dog's allergic and my dog can't have this and my dog can't have that. It, and, and people will tell you, well, I've gone from food to food to food and I got the ones without the chicken. I got the ones without the fish. I got the ones without the eggs. I did this. I got no grains. I got grain free. I did all of this and they still have the problem because they never got away from the problem. Every food they fed had the increased fat in it. And that's an allergen to dogs. Fat has toxins in it, not poisons, toxins. So, and for the picky eater dog, why is that dog a picky eater? Dog's not a picky eater. That dog smells the fat content in the food and doesn't want to eat it. So what do manufacturers do in order to get dogs to eat their fat saturated food? Well, somebody came up with the idea what if we take a different kind of animal fat and spray it onto the outside? They use chicken fat, usually. And after the food is made, loaded with extra fat to make the dogs hungrier, they spray the outside with chicken fat to completely cover up the smell of the fat on the inside. So now you have double fat whammy for your every one of your dogs. And just think about it. I hate to tell you this, but every time you feed your dog, you're actually killing your dog. Jeez. Now, okay. and the best example that I can give you is this. Would you take bacon grease and pour it down your garbage disposal? No. What would happen? You would clog would up the garbage ruin. disposal. And would ruin it, of my Of course. Dear. So if you understand that animal of fat course. will ruin a metal garbage disposal, wow. what is it doing to the intestines right. of your dog? Right, 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 right. right, right it's right, killing right. them every day, every meal. Okay. All right. We've got, here's 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 the thing. Because of my uh, computer problems and issues, and the fact that I came a little late today, we are going to have to kind of wind this down. But here's my here's my question for you. Can I? I would love this. I don't know if you do uh, remotes from your home. I would love to come out and do a remote show from your home. Is that possible? Sure, to see what course. you're doing. Okay. Absolutely. All right. All right. That's number I don't one. Wear your best clothes, though. Oh, I'm please. I'm wearing. I'm wearing. I'm, I'm wearing the grungies. We may even be able to get Gray to come out for to, to come out and help. We'll see. Andrea might yeah. even fly down from Seattle to come out and see this sort of miracle compound that you have. Can now, I just add one last thing? Of course. But, add one last thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Our dog food, if you felt it, is bone dry absolutely bone dry because it's not coated with grease on the outside and it isn't got added fat on the inside Jeez. right now what happens if you take a paper towel and put it against moisture it absorbs of course it. okay well imagine for a minute a dog that eats gentle giants which is all natural the best of the best all usa ingredients everything the best of the best they eat this food and now this very dry, bone dry, so dry that if you rub our kibbles together, you can make a powder of it. Now it goes into their intestines. What does that dryness do? It absorbs. Sure, sure, sure. And we sure. believe it absorbs the grease that's been accumulating in the dog's intestines. Yes, and when they go to the bathroom, it takes it out of their bodies. We believe it cleanses the intestines. And why do we believe that? Because I would say 90% of the people, if not 95% of the people that we talk to that have fed their dogs our food for three to four weeks, tell us they've got a completely different dog, not a minor 
difference, a completely different dog. Their dog is more alert than they've ever seen it. The dog is healthier. The coat is much better. The dog is content. People say, oh, it's going to make my dog, if they have all this energy, they're going to be jumping around. No, it's just the opposite. The dog is totally content. Why? For maybe the first time in that dog's life, it isn't hungry. And then we'll get into how we teach dogs to self-regulate how much they eat. When we feed them, we open up these feeders. They're eating from 200 pounds of food. You can't do that with other food. Our dogs never overeat. They never gain too much weight. They self-regulate. We're going to talk about that when I come down. And I am coming down because I have so many questions and we have, we're, we are running out of time. I want to tell everyone, first of all, <laughs> 1,250 stores in California, 339 Walmart supercenters in Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, Texas, Louisiana, North Carolina, and Florida. Nationally, you can order a mail order on Chewy.com, Walmart.com, Amazon.com. Not Amazon anymore, PetSmart.com. Okay, PetSmart.com. And also now, as of something new, we're, we're just now, since you read that, we're in 770 stop and shop the stores, grocery stores in 13 states on the East Coast, big Y. And in February, we're going national with Walmart in 1,500 Walmart super centers. And we're going into 335 Walmart Canada. Uh, super centers in California. You National. can Walmart super centers, Stater Brothers, Ralphs, and Gelsons. Yes, but 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 kids, if you if 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 you're not close to anything like that, order it online. Chewy.com, Walmart.com, PetSmart.com. Yeah, and one last thing, our dog food because we take no money from this. My wife and I don't take any salary. We're very well to do. We don't need it. We want everybody who loves their dog to have a chance for their dog to live a long, healthy life, much longer, double their lifespan. And because we take nothing from it, our dog food actually sells, retails for half the price of what they would pay in a pet store. And our motto is half the price and twice the life. It, 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 okay, I, I'm, I'm you at a loss for words. I don't even know what to say, except I'm gonna go find this. For 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 my pups, I'm going to elevate their 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 feeding bowls and 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 follow follow this regimen. That's that's amazing. Where can people find you? Where can people actually do their own research and learn about you? What's really terrific? Well, we have several websites: gentlegiantsdogfood.com, gentlegiantsrescue.com, and I'll tell you what I really like is for people to go to our Facebook page, which is Gentle Giants Dog Food and Products, because it's interactive. My wife, we get, she gets every single day, or I should say every week, about 1,100 you know, correspondence that she responds to every one of them. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Can't wait to try it. Thank you so much. And and we will coordinate maybe sort of soon in the new year uh, a remote a remote show from from your compound, if that's uh, if that's if that's Absolutely. amenable to you. Well, you just be coming in our house because that's where all, all right. the dogs are. Fantastic. Fantastic. I will I will wear uh, my my high step in shoes to step over the dogs. Uh, thank you so much. Burt Ward, aka Dick Grayson, aka Robin from Batman. Holy, holy bloat and torsion, Batman. I am I am so uh, thrilled that you were able to come on the show. Thank you so much. I look forward to meeting you in person again very, very soon. Uh, listeners, what an incredible show. Uh, more information. We're gonna, I'm going ha- to have to listen to my own show at least a few more times to really absorb all of this information. But uh, we have some, some very simple steps that we can all do now with our dogs. 
Thank you again, Bert. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Gray. Uh, Kurt, Kurt Carlson. Yes, yes. Kurt, yeah. Kurt, 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 Kurt Carlson sitting yeah. in uh, for Tony Sweet today, engineering the show. Thank you so much. While Tony is 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 away, what an amazing show. Uh, maybe one of the best we've ever done. Bert, and that's that's due to you, Bert. Thank you so much. Well, Listen, thank you, citizen, to the yeah. Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. All right, I'm, I'm off to trapeze class. Again, Dick Grayson came from a trapeze family, so there you go. It's all symbiotic. It just goes like this. Uh, listeners, we will be back in two weeks with another episode of animal magnetism be sure to tune in and you listen to this one several times we'll see you again in two weeks always remember in everything you do attempt to cultivate the preservationist heart we'll see you again in two weeks bye-bye i do believe it i do believe it's true Giraffes are insincere And the elephants are kindly But they're dumb Orangutans are skeptical Of changes in their cages And the zookeeper is very fond of rum Zebras are reactionaries And antelopes are missionaries